With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome, lovely listeners, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode number 246. And I'm Trev Downey, podcasting to you from beautiful rural Ireland, only a few fields away from the seat of Ireland's ancient high kings. And I'm joined for this podcast, as I always am, by Carl Kopak, Camp Branch, and producer Guy Drinkle. Now, I've been kind of caught short, as it were, in terms of preparation time. I only have the main ideas for the actual podcast itself in terms of an agenda. I know Carl thinks I don't do that, but I do. Uh, so we have all our usual talking points of all that kind of stuff sorted, but I have nothing of my own to contribute. Now, when that tends to happen, you know, the worst side comes out in us all. So the all, only thing I could think of, because I wasn't really entertained by anything this week at all, I didn't see anything I thought poignant I could share with you guys, to be honest. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to flag up something that's coming up, um, seeing as I have an opportunity and your captive ears. Um, soon, at uh, the end of September will be the very latest. Mid-September is more likely. I'll be launching a new podcast called The Great Stories. It's a completely independent project. Um, I'm not aligned with anyone. I'm working on the first few, at least, if not for a considerable amount more, with someone who will be familiar to your ears, Neil Poole, who uh, had a similar concept in his head, and we decided to collaborate a little bit. So the, sto- the podcast is going to be called The Great Stories, and the basic concept is that I will be taking a short story from one of the great authors, and you get to hear the, sh- the story read to you, and then there's a little bit of chat afterwards from myself and Pooley as we tease out what are the main ideas as we saw them. It is simultaneously about literature, but not academic. It is simultaneously, I hope, interesting and engaging and intellectually stimulating, but not in any way exclusive or elitist. That's the whole idea of this, and hopefully that will come across uh, when you hear it. I hope you'll lend your ears to it at least once. So what I thought I might do is play the opening minute or so of, I think, the second one in the series, which is a short story called The Bet by Anton Chekhov, and not the discussion part, but just the story itself. So here we go. The Bet by Anton Chekhov. It was a dark autumn night. The old banker was walking up and down his study and remembering how 15 years before he had given a party one autumn evening. There had been many clever men there and there had been interesting conversations. Among other things, they had talked of capital punishment. The majority of the guests, among whom were many journalists and intellectual men, disapproved of the death penalty. They considered that form of punishment out of date immoral and unsuitable for Christian states. 
In the opinion of some of them, the death penalty ought to be replaced everywhere by imprisonment for life. I don't agree with you, said their host, the banker. I have not tried either the death penalty or imprisonment for life, but if one may judge a priori, the death penalty is more moral and more humane than imprisonment for life. Capital punishment kills a man at once, but lifelong imprisonment kills him slowly. Which executioner is more humane? He who kills you in a few minutes or he who drags the life out of you in the course of many years? That's the basic setup for the bet. The bet happens very quickly afterwards, and it is a belter of a short story, like all of them will be. So that's my. He's, he's, he's one of the best short story writers ever, I think. Chekhov. In- incredible. He really is. It's, it's 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 really good. Are you doing Balzac as well? Uh, Balzac will be in the second group of ten. Um, the first group of ten is all sorted. Because um, he, he's the daddy. Balzac but also, daddy. also in the second group of ten, uh, young Kopak is uh, a certain fella that I'm hoping that you'll come and collaborate on. Um, Dan Brown. Yeah, we all know about your fondness for Dan Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Said the famous man, yeah. (laughs) My problem is trying to find a a Holmes story that's actually short enough to read, that's not like, you know, massively lengthy. Uh, I'll think for you. Do because I don't want one that lasts any longer than 15, 16 minutes to actually read. That's quite short. Um, by short story standards, some of them can be a lot longer than that. So if you do, maybe, have, maybe the cardboard box. Well, think about it for me, will you? Because yeah. I, I definitely want to do something like that with you in the second part of the series. Anyway, that is Carl Kopak, who you can hear there after my shameless self promotion. And Carl, as usual, have something to kick us off with. What have you got this week, man? I've decided to quote from. I think this changes every every week, obviously, but at the moment, I think this is my favourite sitcom of all time that doesn't involve cartoons. Uh, and uh, the quote is this: "You know Robbie Patton, who works in the laundry. Well, his wife wanted a divorce, so she goes to the, to the solicitor, and he says, well, you've got to have grounds. What grounds?' She says. So he says, firstly, there's insanity. Well, Robbie's a bit of a dipstick, like, but he's not certifiable. Secondly, there's desertion." Well, he's in here, so he can't really go anywhere. You can't go nowhere. Third, there's cruelty. Well, as you know, he would like a fly, so that leaves adultery. What's adultery, she says. So he tells her, and she says, Ah, I think we've got him there. He is not the father of my child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, An oft-mentioned... Um, a feature of this show, an oft-mentioned show in on this particular show. What, what would you like to share with the listeners who that was? And, we, and we've never discussed it, and I think it makes the agenda most weeks. But it's it's um, porridge, and that's Ronnie Barker. Basically, he tells that story to Grouse, who basically runs the jail um, as as a prisoner, and he's trying to stop. He's basically trying to sort of um, get Lenny Gobper out of some trouble. So he just tells a joke to Grouse, uh, or Genie Larry Grouse, as he's often known. Uh, him, him in horrible lives. Uh, my favourite characters that uh, that that isn't Fletcher. And uh, we've, we've we've all seen Porridge. If you haven't seen Porridge, it's just the perfect sitcom. Uh, based in a prison, which isn't funny, but you know it's just beautifully written by um, uh, Francis Sunderland. Majesty's Prison Slade. Yeah, it's also hey. one of only two programmes I can think of that doesn't have an open theme tune. That's a very good point. Yeah, it's got that voiceover from the judge, yeah. and that's it. And the, the prison sound effects. It's got music gates. at the end, but it doesn't yeah. have a. Yeah, yeah. The other one, it, if any more readers can tweet in and tell me what they think the other one is. You, you spoke about Lenny Gobber there. It, it, it does feature um, Richard Beckinsale. Um, yeah. 
father of my beloved Kate. Yes, indeed. If you're if you're listening, Kate, I'm thinking she, about she's, it. she's 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 not Trish. It's time to let that go. You you say that, you say that. Although well, Phoebe Phoebe Waller Bridge is listening because this is she wants she wants to know my she wants to know my views on the Arsenal game. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Do call. <laughs> <laughs> let's do coffee um so uh that's 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 Carl's opening thoughts um uh porridge related uh cam what have you got for us um an opening quote and then a question for you both oh god uh, so it's, this is where it's gonna get nasty again isn't it <laughs> the, the quote may have a nasty turn to it Ooh. Y- yes here we go Am I grumpy? I might be, but I think maybe sometimes it's misinterpreted. Is that basically you from early on in the WhatsApp? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you would not believe the diva drops that Cam Branch was throwing in the WhatsApp group later on as we were desperately trying to prepare when the show might start. We're all dancing attentive on Cam's schedule. You know, Cam's obviously the big diva of the group, so we've got to make way for his uh, bizarre scheduling requests, you know, it might be shed related, it might be scooter gang related, it might be I'm off at work here and there everywhere across the country. So we do our best for Cam, but he doesn't appreciate us listeners. No. He doesn't he doesn't no, you, and, and you want to see the rise we put in every single week. It's absolutely disgraceful. It really is. It really is. So, I mean, so, but anyway, look, so it's not you, Cam, is what you're trying to say from earlier on, even though it did sound quite like it. Uh, so who, who is that quote from? Um, my action hero. Clint? Who that was? Remember we had that question a couple of weeks ago? Clint, right? No? Uh, no, that, that was a uh, Carl who said Clint. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Carl was Clint. Yeah. Mine was a uh, Harrison Ford. Ah, oh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, he does look grumpy. That's a good point. Yeah. Have you ever have you seen Harrison Ford berating the world with his big be- old man beard about climate change and the like? No, I haven't. I wouldn't have yeah. to that. Yeah, he's doing a lot of uh, sort of um, public. My, my quote at the end of the show maybe something to do with climate change. Ah, okay, yeah. nice, nice, one, yeah. nice. One. Uh, now this question you spoke of, um, let the acrimony begin. What is the? What is the? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a simple enough question, so you've got to guess a figure, and and here goes. How many games has Andy Robertson lost at Anfield? I know this. Do you? Yeah, I do. Go on then, Trevor. I'll go first then. Well, the only games that I can think of losing recently are the away Champions League games, and I know that we're undefeated at Anfield for like forty something. Two seasons, two campaigns. Does that not coincide with Robbo's actual time? So were there any other games at Anfield? Was there an FA Cup tie, a League Cup tie at Anfield that we actually lost? That's all I can think of. And be honest with you, Cam, I haven't the slightest idea who we played in either of those competitions over the last two years because I really didn't care and I wanted to be out of them. So I have, I'm going to go and say one in one of those competitions, but that's all I can think of. Nope. Shall I do the answer? And the guy is wrong as well. He put Leicester in the group, and I've just pointed out that was a draw. So, So, go on on then, Carl. Carl, elucidate. Andrew Robertson 
has lost one game at Anfield. While I just he said a, that. While he was a Hull City player. Shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least my line of rationale was right. Well, obviously, then none of those cup games that we've lost have been at home. They yeah, well, no, he didn't play. He didn't play. He didn't play. Oh, he didn't play. Moreno would have played. So there was a cup game at home that we did lose then. In that uh, yeah, Wolves. Yeah, no, Wolves was away. Um, no, we lost Wolves at home, didn't we? Uh, no, we lost 2-0 there, please. We lost there oh. when, when, when Lovren was injured. Wasn't there a game? Oh, that was a draw at Anfield. Oh, you, yeah. you mean you mean the FA Cup game two, three years ago? He wasn't yeah, playing yeah. He wasn't yeah, playing uh, that game. And then uh, we lost to... Did we lose the Baggies game with the VAR fiasco? Uh, he wasn't playing. Yeah, he wasn't playing. But that, that would have been January 2018. Yeah, that would have been when he was around. So the game was actually the 29th of uh, September 2016. I was actually at the game. And it so was 5-1 five, five, Liverpool. Yeah. You, 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 uh, can I just say for the record, you boys absolutely played a stormer there. Nobody would know that you've, um, colluded, um, before the show went live, um, to. to... No, it's called knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the indignant, the indignant voice of Copac there. No, no, just I, correct. I know stuff. Says Carl, I just know stuff. Um, very good. I gracefully, gracefully uh, accept complete defeat on that one. I didn't. I'm, I'm happy enough with my, my rationale, though. I think I nearly worked it out. Uh, so we have loads of football stuff I want to talk about, but there is, um, there's a couple of stories I want to get to. Obviously, there's going to have to be some Sean Dyche discussion. That just has to happen. <laughs> Uh, we want to have a quick look forward to Burnley. So that will be a section of the show towards the end. So if, if I stay... I, I, I thought you'd recorded a monologue about you. <laughs> you don't need us to for your, your absolute <laughs> with Sean Dyche. Oh, it's got... It's, I'm just going to do what I said earlier in the WhatsApp group. I'm just going to sit here quietly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we may not have time to get around to uh, all the things we want to do because we, we've just discovered that we have a golden feature that, that uh, coincides with Carl's Twitter account that we can finish with at the end uh, after the little bit of dicey crack, after the Burnley chat. Uh, but first of all, we should start by having a quick look back. Uh, and what we usually do here is talk about, you know, ask you guys to, to pick out your major um, positives and negatives from the weekend's performance. Uh, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I know, Carl, you've one specific thing that you wanted to talk about uh, in terms of Joel Matip. So why don't you get the ball rolling for us there? Um, I'm actually going to quote um, Leanne Prescott on this, uh, who said on a different podcast this week, I thought it was a really interesting thing because it sounds like heresy. She says that since January, um, that Joel Matip has been better than Virgil van Dijk. And I think she's onto something. I think there's a different thing about, obviously, there's different bars. You don't expect Joel Matic to be as good as that, whereas Virgil van Dijk can just basically just have his standard game, which always tends to be an 8 or a 9 out of 10 anyway. Um, and I, I just think Joel Matic's just been incredible in the last six months. And I, it's not the first time I've said this. And, um, uh, and I don't care who hears it. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's not just his goal and his absolute mad celebration where, like, he's never seen his fingers before and he's stunned at them. Um, it's just, it's just his overall players reading. It, it, more than anything else, it's, it's his front foot attacking. Like every block, every clearance these days is a pass into space. And I, when he first came to this club, I really didn't approve of him. I just, just, me and a few mates have often talked about the fact that, you know, he's always half asleep. He can't head the ball. Um, and something's really, really happened to him 
Um, and I think it, it's just wonderful to see. And people talk about, you know, I, I know Cam's a big um, Joe Gomez fan, and the people saying like, you know, I think the Klopp has, has, you know, has been doing all he can to get Gomez time at centre half and everything. He's just for me, John, John Matip's the second centre back, and I hope it doesn't change for a long time. I, there's there's a wealth of evidence to back up everything that you say you're saying there, and actually, I don't think what Leanne said is that's tremendously controversial at all that, when you think about it. Because it, it just sounds, it just sounds like heresy when you say someone. It like does. Van Dijk, yeah. yeah, it does. It does. But I think objectively speaking, he has been just wonderful. And but you're right. And what I love about it, and Cam, I'll bring you in on it here, is what I love about uh, Joel Matip, and what's undeniable is that. You know, for a player of his age, the concept in everyone's head is, well, you know, you're as good as you're going to get. But he seems to have stepped up a level. And that's, you know, I I mean, obviously, I didn't watch him on on the regular in Germany. But, you know, I did watch him on the regular since he's been with us. And he has just improved out of sight from the player that Carl spoke about earlier on, who was a little bit awkward, um, a little bit flappy, um, really, really, really unreliable um, with his with his uh, with his head. Uh, there's something lovely happening here that we should just be enjoying, I guess. Especially seeing as it uh, it affords Joe Gomez a chance to, you know, maybe earn his place back, a la Andy Robertson or whatever. Yeah, I mean. Um Leanne wasn't the only one to say. Um, Cy Brundish tweeted it, I think, on Saturday, that uh, pretty much exactly the same thing, that um, John Matip has been as good as Virgil since March, I think he said. So, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking the same thing. Um, he has, he, he's been excellent. Um, I did him the discredit once, uh, the disservice, sorry, uh, where I said there was a reason we got him on a three. You know, because nobody else really wanted him. What, you know, because free transfers don't really, not that very often tend to work out. There's a reason they leave on a free. You know, either the club decides that, no, they're not worth it. We don't want to keep you. We'll, we'll let you go on a free because we couldn't manage to sell you. Well, you're, you're running your contract down because you want a big signing on bonus. Um, but his first season was really, really good. Um, and then he went off the boil and, uh, I think, you know, there's a number of reasons why he went off the ball. But since he's come in, like Carla said, since, um, since January, he has, he's been excellent. And yes, I'm, I, I'm, I am a big Joe Gomez fan. Um, I do see a future where Joe Gomez could possibly be one of our, you know, consistently starting centre backs, but this will only do him good as well. Because he's got to raise his game now to get back into that team. So he's going to be pushing, not only is he going to be pushing um, Joel Matthew, he'll be pushing Virgil van Dijk. They've both can, got to step up. And can I just can I just put something to you here? And again, you know, feel free to just uh, give it as much or as little time as you want to get to your own points if you want to make them. But there's, a, there's an interesting thing with Klopp. He, he is a man who uh, can... He doesn't suffer as much, I think, with the kind of managerial loyalty thing as, as other, uh, bosses do. But he does very much have his pecking order. He's not afraid of it. And I think, you know, if you're worth your salt as a manager, you have to have conviction of your opinions. And his conviction was very much that despite the excellence, uh, 
of Joel Matip, the the form that we've been speaking about, the fact that he was possibly our best player in, in the Champions League final. Despite that, uh, Clavo started the season with, with Joe Gomez. So that is, that was, in his head, the pecking order. Um, mm. Now it will be hard for Joe to get back in because of a combination of what was deemed as less than stellar performances from him um, and then the excellence of Joel Matip. That's fair, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, there's there's only one way. Well, there's two ways Joe Gomez is getting back in that team. Is if uh, one of the two centre backs falls off a cliff, as in their performance levels, which is why he, not that he fell off a cliff as such, but his performance level, like you say, wasn't what it should have been in the first game against Norwich. Or one of the two centre backs from Porto is unavailable through either suspension or injury. So. Um, he, he's he's got a fight on his hands to get his place back now, and jo, Joel Matip is thoroughly deserving. And he was, without doubt, him and Alison Becker were our two best players against Spurs in the Champions League final. So, you know, um, I know I know VVD got man of the match, you know, because he did that great tackle on Son to deny him the, the goal scoring opportunity. But he does what Joel does is he again he just goes about it quietly and efficiently. And if, if you notice, the, a lot of times, the best striker of the opposition will target what they feel is the weakest defender. So they're going to target uh, Joel Matic more because we all know VVD is, is phenomenal. Everybody knows that. So what, as a striker, you're not going to want to go up against VVD. You're going to go towards the other side of the pitch, aren't you? And they're standing up to it. So that, that, that shows their qualities. It shows that you know, everything is working in that respect. Yes, we're making little silly mistakes and we're letting in silly goals at the moment and we are conceding some some big chances in every game, which is a slight worry I have. But bottom line is, Joel Matip, I'm, I'm 100% behind the guy. I don't have any issues at all with him being our starting centre-back. I think, I, think, I think this was really interesting that... Um... He didn't start the charity shield, came on and scored. Um, he didn't, and then, you know, he, he, his first start really was the Super Cup. I thought it was very interesting that the manager went, big cup, big competition. I want to win this cup. I'll go with Joel for this one. And Joe's not been seen since, at least not at centre back. You know, I know he's come on and stuff, but at right back. But I think that's an interesting dynamic, as in, if it's a really big one, yeah, you're starting on this one. Arsenal at home, yeah, I want you for that. So maybe I think that's maybe that's the way he's looking at it now. But yeah, I think he definitely start the season thinking, right, this is Joe's year, and he's changed his mind quite quickly. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm uh, by the way, I'm all for that. I'm really all for that. Yeah. I like I like the fact that there's that sort of uh, kineticism about the place that you doesn't. It's not stayed. It's not stuck in the mud. It's not keep battering your head against the wall until it works. That's great. And I, and, and I think you know. I, I think that's that's absolutely fair enough. I would say one thing, and, and Cam's raised that. Might as well ask you. And then Cam, I'm going to come back to you for your idea, so you can be mulling that over. Um, but just to see out this little chat here, Carl, just to to run something past you that Cam's brought up there. He talked about the worrying nature of the concession, not only of goals, which can seem, I suppose, you can seem a bit mealy-mouthed if you go on about that too much, uh, considering how well we're doing and the fact that wins are happening and all the rest of it. But the concession of chances, decent chances, would suggest that perhaps that um, rigidity and structure isn't 100%. And yet, 
uh, I would point you towards uh, Exhibit A, Your Honor, which was when they were actually with their tails up a little bit, Arsenal, um, on the 87th and 89th minute or 88th and 89th minute, there were two glorious examples of Liverpool holding the line and catching them offside which was quite ballsy, I thought, and showed a faith in the way that they operate. So what's your yeah. take on this? I think, yeah, I mean, we, we've not kept a clean sheet in, the, well, anywhere um, uh, this season. Um, I think there's, I, I think the Norwich goal is a good goal. I think there's nothing you can do about it. And apparently the lad's now Lionel Messi. I really like him, incidentally. Um, uh, there's the, the freakish goal at Southampton. The goalkeeper's mad. But you, I think you're going to get that with him, to be honest. And the third one, we, he got a bit, we got a bit unlucky because he sort of like it dragged out of his feet. And then suddenly, you know, he just sort of stabbed at home and we haven't got Allison in goal. But I don't think it's, it's, I'm not overly concerned by that because the way the system's set up is we play the fullbacks high and we play narrow as a midfield, uh, and press. Um, I'm not massively concerned about that. I was a bit disappointed when the Arsenal got winning because I thought we were, we were genuinely thinking, right, this is the clean sheet game. This is the clean sheet. Not only do we, um, do we, do we beat the top six side quite convincingly with a beautiful goal, third goal? Um, but we keep the clean sheet as well. And you can see the, the look on the defense going, oh, for God's sake. And if you, if you, if you look at the inside Anfield clip, Klopp laughs in a sort of, oh, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, it, it was one of those sort of things. Um, I'm not massively concerned because I think that's just the system. And I think the system's strong enough for us to, uh, not be caught out on that. And just to finish, just, just to finish on that, Carl, it, it's interesting you raised that because he did sort of refer to it being a kind of like, he had his own sort of, you know, Germ- Germanic English version of it, but it was a kind of a, he referred to it as a kind of an after you Claude type of moment where yeah, basically, was, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we won the ball twice and then so yeah, it goes yeah. against this, the lad's shin, uh, Torreira, wasn't it? When Torreira's shin and then it's like, oh, you know, it's like pinball. It's nothing you can do. Sometimes the ball goes there. And, uh, and we finished it. I, mean, I thought it was very unlucky because, I mean, the, if the aberration at Southampton, um, I didn't, to I was in the grounds, I didn't even see it because I'm, I'm looking up the pitch to see where he's going to put the ball. And he's, he's going to put it on Daddy Ings's foot, which I wasn't quite expecting. So, you know, it's, it's not a case of, you know, where people are running through us willy nilly like we were on Saturday. I'd be more concerned if it was, if it was that situation. But, you know, I think there's clean sheets coming. Uh, speaking of um, running through players willy-nilly, Cam, I'm going to assume that the one of the points that you're going to make is, is probably a positive one is to do with that attacking play. I could be wrong. Um, what was it you wanted to point out? No, I mean, for me, it's just the chances that the opposition are getting, it is because there has been a slight tweak in, in the system. Um, and I think once the players have, have settled into it and uh, understand it better, not so much understand it maybe, but have worked on it on a, for a few games. They'll they'll cut out those chances for the opposition. So whereas and and if you look at the chances we have given, unfortunately they have to, a lot of them have been down to the goalkeeper, and we we can't really expect the goalkeeper to be of Allison's level. So you can look at Southampton. They you know Danny Ings could have easily got an equaliser at the end. You know yes the the first mistake that he, the keeper did and Danny Ings scored, then he, he could have got an equalizer. So we got away with it there. Uh, on Saturday, the keeper kicked it out. It went straight to Aubameyang. Now, if you think back to a couple of seasons ago, Edison kicks it out, goes straight to Salah. Yeah, game and over, Salah, yeah. And Salah's put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. It, you know, at that point, if Aubameyang had put that in, and Joel wasn't getting it because he'd run past the ball. The ball went behind him. 
if that had gone in, shaped inside the post, but one nil, it's a different game. Arsenal are suddenly going to try and shut up shot. Yeah, no doubt we, I, I, I still have enough confidence in us to have gone on and win it, but it, it would have made things just that little bit more awkward for us. And we don't want to be, we don't want to be doing that. There was the Hendo mistake with the back pass that led to the one-on-one where Pepe skins, uh, Robertson. I mean, Robertson didn't have a great game, you know. Uh, apparently, he was dribbled past six times on, uh, you know, which is, you know, I, I quite like the look of Pepe, what I saw of him, but a very tame shot from him in the end. So, again, another one we've got away with, and, and we, we're getting away with a few. Um, and I'm not comfortable with that at the moment, but the, at the end of the day, they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They, they will, they will put it right. And, uh, we've just got to appreciate that Mo Salah third goal. Well, that's it. The massive counterpoint to all the all the discussion that you've just been going through there is the fact that at the other end of the field, we have three world-class footballers operating at the peak of their powers. I mean, there's yeah. nobody in the world like Bobby Firmino. Nobody. He's no. he, he's a unique talent. Um, I saw somebody say something that could sound incredibly raucous um, until you actually think about it for a minute. They said that they couldn't really think of a more clever footballer in terms of ingenuity and vision uh, that they'd seen in their days going to Anfield uh, since they were watching Kenny. That's an interesting thing to say, whether it's way, way uh, over the top or not. But it just shows you the esteem that he's held in. Mo Salah, we'll talk about that goal. You've just brought it up. Let's talk about it in a second. Sadly, Omane, who had uh, one of his less effective days, has been holding the whole show together up till now, being absolutely because he, incredible. Because he beat Southampton. Because he beat Southampton. So it's someone else's time to do to, this one. To, 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 be honest, to, to, to be honest about Sadio, Sadio is probably, he's, he makes a great case for being our best attacker over the last 12 months. He is an incredible footballer playing at his optimum level. So, I mean, we have to, that's, that's the thing, you, you know, it's, it, I, I never take that for granted. Uh, that's what I mean, Cam. I, we, we, you talk about, you talk about Mo's goal. You can never take something like that for granted. How many times have you watched that since? I, like, I've nearly, oh, you know, I, I, I keep watching it. And, and what I, I love about that goal is every touch is perfect. There wasn't a bad touch from the moment he first touched the ball, where he was back to David Luiz to spin him go past him, to accelerate away from him, to then leave Monreal behind him as well. Every touch was perfect to set up that goal. And he passes it into the corner of the net. He That's doesn't the big blast thing it. to make. Yeah. That's the, it's he, the finish. He, it's the big thing for me. He, he caresses it because because of every touch prior has made that goal. That it's opened up the far side of the goal for him perfectly. That he doesn't have to do anything. It was Perfect. It was eleven out of ten that goal. The, the big thing for me is if 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 the, as he pulled his foot back, if you could stop the game and say to the keeper, "Where's he putting the ball?" He would guess it right a hundred times out of a hundred, and he still couldn't do anything about he's still, it. He's still not touching it. Yeah, it's it's obvious where he's going to put the ball. It's the same yeah. as his Brighton goal last year. It's exactly the same, and it's just sort of and you're, you're right. I don't have to blame that. I'm just going to pass that because it looks nicer. And then he did like a little regal wave to the Annie Road. Which you quite like. I love this yeah. celebration. He did like this little spinning thing with his finger above his head, like he was in the Temptations or something. It was absolutely leaning out of a of a, a an ornate carriage, the little twirly hand thing. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. I love that. It, I, it was a, it was it was Mike Beaufort. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I man, I by the way, I, I wasn't joking. The minute that bus arrives, you got to send us some photos of this. Next, next week, next week, it's coming. Oh, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see that. And I mean, little 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 sidetrack here. This is uh this is uh Cam's uh Cam's business. Um, what what are you what are you thinking you're going to be using this for? Is it, it going to be a wedding car exclusively? It is. It's, it's, I would say 99% wedding cars. I may get the odd prom booking for it, but uh, I don't think young school kids are really going to want to turn up in that. But it's predominantly for the brides. You're well, listening to Top Gear. Well, well, let me just say that one booking that will be made will be a certain. Um, uh, ageless Irishman when he comes over next. <laughs> I, I am driving that to look to Liverpool with Tom driving that to Anfield <laughs> next time. That's, that's, that's not, not a problem. problem. You're going to take this show on the road. Let's take this show on the road. That's the toll bus. What, what we'll do is we'll do a, a YouTube compilation as we're um, going up to Anfield and back in the Beaufort. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely view of Notford service station. Oh, do you, that's a good one. That is. Do, do you do you uh, do, do you insist on having you, like the car is only driven by you? Is that correct? No, or, no, no. Um, so uh, could the, the insurance will be set up for any any driver over twenty five? Because I'm going to get bookings where the bridesmaids are going to want to go in the in the Jaguar, for example. Yeah. So I will drive it. I'm the only one who can drive the Jaguar on my insurance. So the Beaufort will be for anybody over 25. Oh, thank God. Over 25, I just about scrape in. You just about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you were 19 yesterday running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that was a tight one. So, I mean, to, to, to get back to all things Reds related, I mean. Before you do that, Trev, can I ask Cam one question? Because, I mean, there was going to be interesting answers to this. So you're going up to Anfield, Cam. What, what's your service station of choice? Oh, no, this is a good question. This is a good question. I don't tend to stop at service stations, but I do look, uh, Cause I think, I was gonna say, cause I think you're just about alright to do it in one go from where you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what I like, what I actually prefer to do, if I do go to Anfield now, I prefer to go up the A41, and then come okay. by, come via Chester, then go through the Mersey Tunnel. Because I find that the M6 and the M6. Actually want to visit the Wirral. Extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't visit, I drive through it. By the way, if she's listening to Serena, I'm joking. It's not you, though. You want to know what you were saying about you earlier. Yeah, he's, he's really not, Serena. He's really not. Uh, no, the, she, she knows that. The, the, uh, the, the service station thing is a really interesting sideline. Um, I've had some very, very interesting experiences at service stations going over to games and stuff like that. You know, when a bus pulls in or you're pulling in with your mates if you're traveling and carpooling and stuff like that. But I do love a good services. I really do. I have to say, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 very um, ah, comforting. Can I tell I you think. about the hitchhiker I dropped off at Nutsford Services the other day? Um, you told us a story about a hitchhiker. I saw photos yeah. of a hitchhiker. A young kid who was traveling the world or something. Yeah, traveling the world, and um, he's, he's going. He's, he wants to finish up in French Polynesia uh, at the end of uh, twenty twenty. So um, he's in Glasgow at the moment. So um, yeah, I, I, I just said, yeah, why not? Come on, jump in. And it was you interesting. Know, I'll tell you what, I, I'm I'm saying this now live on a podcast so that I can't go back in it. But if my knee decides to not be made out of cheese and this operation on it is successful, I am actually going travelling for like like it's like a student uh, within the next twelve months. That's set. Uh, right, we were talking about the Reds. And we should go back to talking about the Reds. 
We will be looking forward to Burnley. I'm just keeping an eye on the clock now. 20 past 22. We've got about 20 odd minutes left. I would like to talk about the game that's coming up, but is there any remaining issue in and around the weekend's match? Because if not, we do have football related news before we go to Burnley that we want to talk about. I know I flagged one up with you, Carl, that you want to get a little bit of chat in about. Um, anything left around the Arsenal game that you want to, you want to bring up either of you before we move on? Well, match of the day didn't bother, so can we talk about Roberto Firmino's um, flick over the top of the defender? Scoopy flick. Mm. Oh, oh. That's what I mean about there's nobody like that. Can you think about, I was, I was saying to, to Jan Mulby yesterday evening, the only person I can think of who might have done that specific move is Ronaldinho. I can't think of anyone else who would have tried that. Zidane. Uh, no, I can't even picture. Like, obviously, he could do no, Zidane it. Zidane did a few flicks over like that. Yeah, not with a shot. He did. He used to do. He used to like a flick over. Did um, he from from a dead ball? Was it not usually like a hopping ball that he would do that with? Yeah, I suppose. But I've seen it. But, but like from yeah. a dead ball, the scoop flick thing—it's mm. just so. Madness, isn't it? Oh, I mean, That's Bobby. Yeah. Why does it surprise you? It shouldn't. Yeah, no, it honestly doesn't. It yeah. honestly doesn't. Um. Let's get to the one football story that we want to talk about before we go to look at Burnley because I'm keenly aware that there's a lot around the Burnley thing and I want to do that little bit about uh, celebrity spotting as well at the end. And obviously I've got some dicey talk. So let's just give you a minute. Of course you have. Of course I did. Let's (laughs) give you a minute to Carl to talk about the um, atrocity that is uh, Sky and Jim White's coverage countdown clock to Barry and Bolton's demise as league clubs. It's um it's just about as vulgar a thing as I've ever seen. It's crass. It's it's basically like poverty porn. It really is. They're talking about the, the thing for me is they're not just talking about the demise of two great Lancastrian clubs. They're talking about people's jobs. They're talking about people's livelihoods. That's before you even start looking at the fans, you know, the, the Berry fans being, you know, that's been in the press a lot this week about that he's been going for like, you know, 60 odd years or whatever it is. This is people's lives. And, and in terms of it's a wage for some people, um, it, it's the people who they owe money to. It's, um, it's an incredibly important and bitter situation to be in because Sky are partly responsible for that situation because the money goes to the, the top league. And it doesn't trickle down enough as it should do. Um, you know, Bolton have been a Premiership team, and, um, and you know, Be- and you know, Berry have got, you know, they, they've got links with Manchester United and what they've done in the past. And to do a countdown of when a cl- two clubs are going to close, I think that's probably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen Sky Sports do. Uh, and it's led by that absolute fucking festering anus of a human being, um, gleefully standing there going, 54 minutes to go." Like it's some fucking horrible jumped up Stephen King dystopian novel. Um, and I, I swear to God, I hope his house gets repossessed and someone puts a clock outside so they can count down from when he's going to be made homeless. I fucking despise that man. Well, the worst thing about it is that like Hunger Games aspect of it. That's that, exactly what it is. You know, it's like that's turning entertainment. Pe- it's that's entertainment. That's what yeah, it is. Turning people's misery into, into cheap. Uh, sort of tawdry entertainment for the masses. And like, I mean, whatever you think, I don't, I'm not going to profess to have a deep knowledge about Barry as a football club, but I will say this, irrespective of the Sam Allardyce days, 
you know, the most recent memories of Bolton that I have that I can enjoy are watching JJ Akacha, but that's an old club with tremendous long league history. 145 years. And being, being present in some of the great games, I think Bolton were, you know, the White, the, the White Horse final, the White Horse final, the Stanley Matthews final. Bolton yeah. was the opposition, but like it's not just that they were there to get a kick in a few times. They, they, like they were, they were a tremendous club and had some great players go through there. Like I said, most recently, the one player that I'd say that I loved watching, I, I actually went to that stadium, which is kind of in a bizarre location, like our chat last it's, week. It's, it's in a valley next to a Premier Inn. It's really weird. Very strange setup. But, but you know, there was a nice kind of bang of modernity off it at the time, so I quite liked it. And I went there to that to that ground. One of the few times I went to see a game, uh, you know, where I had to go and travel because I wanted to see JJ Okacha, and the Reds weren't playing, but I wanted to see JJ Okacha. And, uh, you know, it's just, as you say, it's just, it's just, uh, Disgustingly uh, disingenuous bullshit uh, to be having. I hope witness. it happens to him. I, I mean, hope it's televised. Um, people might say that you're being you're being unfair to pick on the. I'm the not guy, because that, the that's people's the, jobs. He's talking about the. That's what this was going to say. Imagine doing that to when Comet went bust or something like that. Yeah, but the, you know, people might say, well, he's just the, the 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 voice of 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 the company. But at the same time, there's a relish with which he does that shit that makes you. And anyway, all you got to do is listen to his talk show, show, you know exactly what kind of a creature you're dealing with there. Yeah, so absolutely. That, well, I think but that... also, there's one other thing on this, Trev, as well. This is also the, the, the channel that at the end of every um, uh, transfer window gleefully tell you how many millions are being spent and whether it's a record on the year before. And they rub their fucking hands as they do it. And today they saw the other side of that and all they took from it was, this is more entertainment we can put out. Yeah, honestly, honestly, it was absolutely grotesque. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm a miserable sod anyway, but that genuinely thought, I, I just thought, Jesus, someone sat down and thought, that's okay, let's do it this way. Yeah, that, that's what, that's what makes you, that's what makes you cringe is the mindset that like, you know, yeah, that, so a couple of people nod their head and thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Remarkable stuff. So from the, uh, horrific to the sublime, um, just quickly, um, yes, before you, before you go to the sublime. I saw that Bury needed 2.75 million. 2.75 million to be saved. Alexis Sanchez's contract is worth 41 million. 560,000 pounds a week. Let that sink in. Mm. One player, 41 million. Bury needed 2.75 million. This is where football has lost a plot. And what people, what the powers that be don't realise, or they still haven't grasped yet, that football without fans is nothing. It's as simple as that. And if they carry on down this road, they will lose the fans eventually. Because money, money is ruining football. Yes, we want the best. We want amazing entertainment. But grassroots football is so vital to support what happens at the top. And speaking of which, Cam, there's a there's a, um, a petition going around at the moment to get the uh, um, to to basically to fund more grassroots football. I if you if anyone to go on my Twitter feed, I signed it. Because was that today? I've had a long day. It might have been today. What's the day? 
that um, Damien Cavana, who's a Hillsborough survivor, has um, as he's been tweeting that all week. So if you want to come and have a look at our feed, we'll put it on. Yeah, no uh, if you can retweet that, that'd be brilliant. I will certainly. Yeah, uh, listen, for, you know, good points, well made, and it is, it, you know, it's it's just it's very chastening. You, you you get on a bit of a high talking about your team, and um, you you can. It, <laughs> It's very easy to get distracted away from some ugly realities, and uh, you know the fact that, uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting there watching that channel and paying them a tremendous amount of money, and it does make you feel like a bit of an idiot at times. But anyway, let's uh, let's let's like, like I said, let's move. Everyone away from should something. just cancel their Sky Sports subscription. Yeah, it's easy said, Cam. You know, if you're if you're in uh, no no internet land like I am, um, then it, you know you don't get to see the matches. It's as simple as that. So it's not an option for me. You see, it's not. Like, the good, the good thing about Sky is that it's getting eaten eaten around the margins, isn't it? They're losing things. It, they they absolutely are, and they're they're cutting deals left, right, and center. You can see, I'm I've uh, it's it's costing me less this year than it did last year, and I get a lot more for it. So it's interesting. It's interesting. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, look, that's a total uh, um, dark alley that we don't want to be going down. Uh, I want to bring us into the light. I want to bring us into the gleaming light <laughs> that is Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche. Uh, music fan, Sean Dyche, who he? was who was spotted and photographed uh, at Red Red Reading Festival. Excellent, uh, oh, I like him now. Dyche spent the majority of his Saturday Trav, afternoon. You took the photo, didn't you? I, I did. It wasn't actually me. No, he spent the majority of his Saturday afternoon at Reading Festival before travelling to the West Midlands for his side's Premier League clash against Wolves on the Sunday. That's how. That's how into his music Dyche is. Um, he said, uh, you know, he was, he, I think, oh yeah, this is, I love this. This is an onlooker, right? Kid who saw him and, and decided that's Sean Dyche. I'm going to get my picture with him. And the kid said, uh, it took time for me to realize what had just happened. It's such a weird occurrence that Premier League manager was out at the Reading, uh, at Reading the night before a game. He was definitely using his time to relax and enjoy something other than football. So he was happy. I love this bit. After the photo, I saw him go into the front of the mosh pits at 21 Pilots and post Malone. What the fuck? Jesus. That, is, that is a remarkable thing. Um, some quotes from Daichi on his musical taste. I remember all the magic markers of the first time I heard the Stone Roses, that Manchester vibe, the Verve, all those groups coming up. Then building up from that, you're getting into the rave scene as well. That was a big era for me because I was 17, 18, 19 around that period. So that was important musically. More recently, a lot of Kasabian and stuff like that. Lately, I've seen Green Day. I thought they were amazing in concert. I saw Metallica. I'm not a major Metallica fan, but I liked the music enough to get invited and went. I've seen Jay-Z and Kanye West. Daishi, constantly, constantly surprising us, whether he's eating worms or going to music festivals. His boys will provide the opposition at the weekend, lads, and realistically speaking, they are you know, tidily positioned in the table where only three games have been played. They have four points on the board. Um, they have a uh, interesting set of results so far. They lost to uh, our opponents on Saturday um, by two goals to one away at Arsenal. Uh, they drew uh, on Sunday uh, against Wolves away. Controversially. Um, 
controversially, but they won their home match against Southampton to begin the season by three goals to nil. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got an interesting uh, proposition there. Let me just give you the lineup for the most recent game, uh, which was the Wolves game. They started off with Nick Pope. They had a um, central defensive partnership of Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky, uh, Matt Lowden. Which is and- decent. It's decent. Uh, Matt Lowden yeah. and, and, and Peters are the, they are the fullbacks. Their midfield, they've got that McNeil kid who I recall doing well against us last year. Uh, Westwood and Cork, uh, and Goodmanson make up the midfield and they have, you know, the, um, let's just say unreconstructed likes of Ashley Barnes and, and, and Chris Wood up front. Um, from the bench, they can call on the likes of Jeff Hendrick, Jay Rodriguez. They've got Joe Hart for Nets and Aaron Lennon, uh, Matea Vidra and Kevin Long. Now, as I said to, um, uh, young Robbie yesterday, that's a solid Premier League squad, Carl, and they're not going to be anyone's mugs. They already aren't. They're already mixing it in terms of, uh, the amount of points they've got on the board per game, per, per, per game ratio. Um, this could be a real challenge for us, I think. Well, also they led a, um, in the same game last year, they led in the second half against Liverpool, the Champions of Europe. So, you know, let's, let's, this is, this is difficult. This is going to be a very, very difficult thing to do. And then, you know, they're very, very up for it. They, you know, they're very physical and Liverpool are going to beat them. This is, this is, this is where we're at now, isn't it? This is, yeah. this is where we're at now. And it's not, I, I spoke to a colleague at work today. I'm back at work. It's very grim. I spoke to a colleague at work today who's a big red as well. And I, I just said, you know, the best part about this is it's like the 80s where you have that confidence that's not arrogance, that's bred from a certitude about these boys doing the job. They'll find a way to get it done. It, it, at this point, if you don't believe, if you're one of the people who's constantly whining and imagining the worst, you're the actual contrarian because these boys have proven to us again and again and again, Carl, they find a way to get it done. Well, a European finalist came to Anfield on Saturday and they went there with the sole remit of not getting hammered too much that's what that felt like to me yeah um, with, with, we, we, we've with, just bat- we've just battered Arsenal at home like like they were with the greatest respect like they were Norwich with the manager as well who who, who, who would feel as if like you know I've got one who's, who's, who's better than, than most managers against Liverpool yeah I've got he's got a, a, he's, got a, he's got a brilliant record against Liverpool he, he, yeah he must have a, a, a feeling in his head like I'm not afraid of these or that guy and that's, uh, a, that's a PSG manager as well let's not forget yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a very well made point. Cam, your, your take on the threat posed by Burnley. I mean, what exactly is it that you're a little bit nervous about? If anything, is it the, the Grocks, um, that can actually do a bit and finish well if they get an opportunity in Barnes and Wood? Is it the fact that, uh, me and Tarkovsky, Peters and Loughton, uh, Nick Pope can form a good barrier if they want to? What is it that, um, concerns you about them? This is as tough an away game as you'll ever have in the Premier League. Um, and I'm glad it's not a, a, I'm hoping it's not a cold, wet Saturday afternoon. Pretty um, likely. Yeah. Um, 300 degrees at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, um, I think that's one thing that will stand in our favour. It's a, I think it's a horrible place to go and play. Um, though it, it feels like you're going into war. And it's a lovely, horrible uh, ground. I yeah, uh, I, I've never been ground. there. 
yeah, I, I have no plans on ever going there. I don't, I don't feel the need or the desire. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to the game. It's just, I've got this awful feeling in the pit of my stomach. Um, I just do, I'm, it's one of those games you just do not look forward to. You just want to get in, get out, do what we were saying last week. Just been laughing it. You've been laughing it. Get out. Speaking of which, by the way, by a massive coincidence, um, the last time we used the term for Bin Laden the win, which if, if anyone hasn't heard the podcast beforehand, is get in, kill Bin Laden, get out. That's the classic away game. I saw Rob Gutman the next day at Southampton, <laughs> and I mentioned this to him, and he completely forgotten all about it. He went, that's 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 because it's his expression. He said, that, that, that's absolutely what we want to do, yeah. Get in, wet, kill, out. <laughs> Dump the body in the sea. So keep forgetting that. So we're just talking about low-level terrorism plus Liverpool, you know, the usual. Your, cl- your classic half-time chat. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, that's what it is, and that's what it is, you know. You'll take a, a scrappy 1-0, you take a, a thumping 5 mil. Let, let just, me put let me put something to you, Cam, seeing as we're, uh, we're on this subject. Um, you know, obviously there's the... Uh, the fabled momentum for what it's worth of the of the uh, um international break uh, breaking the, the the run for a fortnight uh, as the lads head off to their various corners of the globe to play for their countries but it would be lovely wouldn't it to be going into that little break uh clear at the top it's a, just a little psychological marker we spoke last week about how this is the most histrionic and hysterical of times because <laughs> manchester city are so good there is a there's real validation to people who are losing their shit about every minor point because manchester city are so good so um the little psychological win that would be sitting atop the league as everybody buggers off for that long period of time where he can't af- affect it or influence it you know that's gonna eat away at uh, little uh, Joseph's mind and that's lovely I mean I would love that however I'm going to put the opposite to you say we do um, have a bit of a reversal for the first time and God knows when um, and we're looking at um, a less than good result you still in that way that we were just talking about there my son Carl you still back these guys to come back out the far end of that um, uh, international break furious and eager to get Back to winning ways, wouldn't you? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, we've had a, we've had a doubt. We've had a doubt. There, there's, I mean, we've spoken about mentality in the past, and we we had a, a little bit of a period. We all seem to have that little period around January um, where we seem to lose it a little bit. But I don't have that worry so much in August, or although it will be September when this game is played. Um, I don't have that worry in that respect. I, um, they, they're just a damn good football team. And the proof is, we're champions of Europe. No team wants to play us as well. Let's not forget that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't now be in a stage where, although we are, bizarrely enough, worried about the opposition. The opposition should be more worried about us. Yeah, I'm and not worried. Unai, Unai Emre got it right. He goes, either, he was joking. He was, he was, he was not being glib, but he was joking, you know. And he was saying, I don't want to play Liverpool. They're yeah. too good. <laughs> yeah. He, he wasn't being serious, but he was being serious at the same time. We are. We're too good. Now, I saw a little, something in the Discord group earlier. Um, I think somebody posted the last 15 games. And Man City and Liverpool are head and shoulders, way ahead of everyone, uh, you know, over the last 15 games. Neither of them have lost a game in the last 15 games. Yep. 
We've drawn two, Man City have drawn one, and we've both won 13. We've won 13 on the bounce, and that's with a break of the whole summer. 13 on the bounce. No other Liverpool side has ever done that in Premier League era anyway. But there are markers left right and centre. There was the Kloppo first to 300 points one last week. Now there's this uh, potential. We've equaled the record set in 1990 with that incredible team that won the league. And now we, we can we can surge past it with a win against Burnley. And you hear, you hear Carl in the background going, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I, I'm never worried about the Reds anymore. I'm just, I, I, I have pre-game nerves like everybody does, but I'm not yeah. worried. You don't worry about this lot. No, no, no. Not worried, but, you know, I'm not comfortable with the opposition we're playing because of the way they play football. Uh, I'm not worried about us. I always think we're going to win the game. But I don't want to be playing Burnley. Because I think it's just a horrible game. Yeah, yeah. I know you mean it. I'll be happy when it's over. Yeah. I'll be <laughs> glad it's... Ha- I'm actually glad we're playing this early in the season. Yeah, you know what? You don't, you don't want them on Wednesday. Well, we've, we've played them, what, in December? Yeah. On, on a Wednesday night, straight after the derby. Um, that was a hard game. You know, I think it, it might be a little coincidence, right? But you know, I was just thinking about imagine if the Reds win the league. I was, it was actually on the on the point that I was just making to uh, Cam. There wouldn't it be lovely just that little psychological edge of going into this international break ahead. Every little um, every little advantage counts uh, when it's so close. And I came across a wonderful title from the Echo from years ago, and it said, "Title deeds make Reds." Hot property. Now that's proper headline writing, isn't it? Yeah. Gotta love that. Yeah. Gotta love that. I, I, remember, a, I, remember, I remember the 88 side. I think it was the mirror said, um, uh, we didn't do it actually, but it said if Liverpool win, then it'll be the league title OBE over before Easter. That's yeah. always, that, that's always stuck with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there was a time when people used to care about things like that. Anyway, I want to finish the show this week with something that, uh, is, we, we do a lot of talking and I've already committed to, 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 um, some, um, personal stuff here on, on the show. But, uh, we've, we do a lot of talking, don't we, about our various interactions with celebrities. Uh, Carl Kopak is, uh, notorious, uh, clanger dropper left, right and center. And how is Jan? Jeez, I, just, the, just the four references tonight. I'm saying to Jan before. I don't know what you want me to do. He's like, I mean, we're big mates. What do you want? Uh, so the, 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 there's a, a very interesting thing that happened this evening, which is that uh, Carl put out a tweet which went, um, how did you phrase it, my friend? It was, um, uh, I should explain, this basically came from Richard uh, Foster, who's, who's a, uh, a friend of mine, journalist, who's, who, plays for, who plays for Crystal Palace, who's a Crystal Palace fan. Uh, and his initial tweet was, uh, en route to Southurst, and I've just seen, because they're following playing Crystal Palace in the Carabao Cup at the moment. Uh, no, they're not. Anyway, um, en route to Southurst has j- just seen Mitrovic walking out of Sainsbury's and Wandsworth with his son. So I quote tweeted that and said, can any of our readers match this? Have you spotted Tim Breaker, formerly of West Ham, buying creosote in home base, or Jeff Horsfield pricing MIDI systems in Dixons? And, um, I've had lots of responses, and you're going to ask them, aren't you? Yeah, very, very interesting ones. And I love, by the I'm way... I'm going to ignore the Liverpool ones, I think, apart from one. 
I do like your, uh, I do like the, the, the very Alan Partridge tone of your examples. And, and I, you know, again, what I like about this is it kind of ties in back into the whole, uh, services, uh, conversation from earlier on. And it keeps our celebrity spotting, uh, thread going. But this, this time it's not us dropping clangers. It's our, uh, some of them are just beautiful. I'm looking through them yeah. now because obviously cause I've been doing this. So I've not seen them all. There's yeah, quite, I'm... there's quite a few. Let's let, just, just, just roll through them there. I'm, 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 Get get to Virginia away quick though, because that's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to that one. Um, uh, Dave Seager says I once sold Sussex and England cricketer Chris Adams a copy of Football Manager in game. That's a great one. Nice. Uh, you, you said Pooley swords a sainer in, in the big Asda, which is always a good one. That is um, good. Uh, uh, one Trafford Centre Disney store checking out Cinderella dolls. <laughs> I mean, this is this, this is just the gold. I won't, I won't do that one because it's a bit too Liverpool. Um, uh, where are we? Let me just go through these. I saw Scott Carson in next in the ballroom. You did? Yeah, with his girlfriend when he was playing for Villa. That's <laughs> nice. That's nice. Fr- fr- friends of the show, um, Serena, many, many, many moons ago, I walked into Jamie Redknapp in the Albert Dock and stood on his foot hard accidentally. Um, great, <laughs> yeah, great haste. This, this is, <laughs> this is just gold. Oh my God, there's one after this, which is even better. Um, saw Virginia Wade at a service station somewhere about 15 years ago. Absolutely stuffing a gulp with wangums, as I recall. That's fantastic. But what about this one? Walked past the suit of Roy Hodgson at Waterloo Station last week. He was wearing a light blue suit with silver mirrored aviators. It was epic. That's, <laughs> that, that is you, absolutely you, tremendous. You've actually missed out on two belters here. One is from a fella called Tony, who's at Big Dutch 7, who responds to the same. Paul Mariner taught me to swim. Yeah, I'm, I've just seen that. I'm coming through. Christ it. alive. And the response to him is from a fellow called the Manchi. He says, I was given an after eight mint by Toya and Robert Fripp. <laughs> that is incredible. It's glorious. Yeah. Tony's from that neck of the woods. So he's, um, yeah, he's a season ticket holder. Um, Peter Simpson, I really like this one. Mashirano eating meatballs on the next table to me and my now wife on our second date. She was starstruck by me and I was starstruck by Mash. I like it. And uh, my mate Gilly, um, I was behind Chris Kirkland in the queue at Ormskirk B&M once. He's really tall. That's perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for from this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've, I've, I've Scott, Ta- the... Scott Carson's tall as well. He's a big lad. If, if only there was uh, there a, a link to that. When I was 13 in 1988, I'm pretty sure I had a piss next to Ron Yates at John Richard Services on the way to a game. He was massive. I'm not going to ask any further questions, Dean, from that one. Um yeah, this might be a regular feature. I really like this. I've, I've got loads of these things as well. Um, I've just read one about um, someone who um, saw Dwight York and quizzed him for five minutes about his England career and what it's like to play for Newcastle, um, thinking he was talking to Andy Cole. Yeah. Um, and that quick Andy Cole one. And that, Dude, and yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm sorry, and then continued the conversation over the cubicle wall in the toilets. That's particularly fantastic. <laughs> I, I, the best thing about, about uh, Magic Biz there is he says, uh, I mean, I talked over the cubicle door to him <laughs> as he took a Barry. <laughs> uh, fair play, man. And by the way, there are lots of other Liverpool ones which Carl has decided to be. Um, um, uh, yeah, because I think it should, I think we should go low down the league as possible. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, like well, the, the Virginia Wade one's still my favourite. Oh well, let, well, let, let's let's bring this back in a later day because that's wonderful. And what were you going to say? But you, you, Andy Cole. Yeah, Colt? Andy Cole. Um, he's a Nottingham lad, and. Uh, he used to be a paperboy out of my cousin's shop. Oh, I like that. I bumped him, into him. Uh, do you know the Suarez four goals at Norwich? 
yeah. that game. We came back and, uh, but basically, if you, if you ever want to see a, an ex-footballer coming back from the game in the Northwest, always stop at Norton Canes on the toll road. Cause they all go there. I've seen Graham Powell there as well. And me and my mate saw Randy Cole and, um, what is that? Uh, what is it? A restaurant service or a station. service station? Hey, services. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's all about the services tonight. Um, and, uh, Andy Cole. I, I, I looked at him because I really liked his scarf, and I thought he looks like Andy Cole, but taller. It's Andy Cole. Yeah. I've also seen Peter Crouch at a service station, and you know what? You expect someone to be tall because they're tall. Jesus Christ, it's, it's so tall. Yeah. Absolutely incredibly big man. And again, I just thought that looks like Peter Crouch, but taller and thinner. It is Peter Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ascot for sure. What? Well, I I didn't know you were into the GGs, man. No, no, I took a uh, client's down and uh, as I was driving down Ascot High Street, um, looking for somewhere to drop my clients off, uh, Peter Crouch and Abby were, uh, just jumped out of a car in front of us as well and we we're just walking in. Well, isn't that a delight? Lovely man. Very lovely man. Now, we've uh, gone past our allocated time in that it is now north of the hour and we still haven't talked about Morgan Freeman and the bees. No. <laughs> <laughs> So that will come eventually. I'm kind of missing Netflix Corner as well. I want to talk about some telly next week. So we're going to get back into some telly next week. I'm, I'm sure. miles behind. Um, one of us is going to have to talk about Bill Tench at some point as well. Uh, listen, I am I am a Bill Tench ultra. There's no two ways about it. That is a class series. But like I said, we'll get back to it. Let's let's try to be disciplined here. We'll finish with uh, Carl. You have a little things what I love. And Cam has a quote. And then we will be out the gap. Well, I, I was going to do this in my opening quote, but I won't because I just want to talk about it a bit more. Um, uh, because I think with a lot of um, films I'm into, people just think, oh, that's just an old film. And he's making out it's funny and it's really not. Can I recommend anyone who hasn't seen This Is Spinal Tap to beg, borrow, steal a copy? I don't think it's on Netflix. I think it's on Amazon or something. I don't know. Now TV. Um, that could be one of the funniest films I've ever seen in my life. And there isn't a frame in that film which doesn't make me smile. It's it's just ridiculous. There's a Jack the Ripper reference in there. It's just hey. uh, the, the, this, this goes up to eleven for the amps. The bit where he's playing classical piano and uh, he says yeah, it's in D minor, which is the, the saddest of all the keys. And it's, it's like it's like Mozart and Bach. It's like Mark. It's just a beautiful people. It's just a beautiful, really sad key. It's, it's wonderful. What's it called? It's called Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically two hours of that and it's just you know i told them the time and again to get the uh um on the the billing that we should go above the puppets you know <laughs> they were still i can just quote the whole thing it's just really really easy to do it's they it's, still, they were still it's doing my, when we came on that's a great line as well <laughs> it, it's miles ahead of its time as well that whole yeah. like a full documentary kind of feel to it it's great yeah. I, that's just it is tremendous and you know what you see this is the thing i've had conversations and you see people people like like us three tend to forget that sometimes we're talking to people who are immensely younger and it's not their fault that they haven't seen no of course not uh, and so they did, they're not aware of it. And I think, you know, you, you just, you're just doing a survey. I spoke to a couple of people recently and they didn't know who X, Y, or Z was, what X, Y, or Z band or actor was. And you're like, you, your initial reaction is to bristle a bit. And then you realize, well, why would you? You know, you're a completely different generation. So yeah, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Get that. Uh, Rob Reiner. It's just wonderful. And, the, the, and, and the Dublin bloke married, um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. So I, I already like him for that. Mm. See? Results all round. Cam, how are you going to finish this out? Okay. 
saving our planet, lifting people out of poverty, advancing economic growth. These are one and the same fight. We must connect the dots between climate change, water scarcity, energy shortages, global health, food security and women's empowerment. Solutions to one problem must be solutions for all. Adam Lalana. Absolutely. Nailed on. What a philosopher that lad is. John Matip. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it? Ban Ki-moon. Ban Ki-moon. There he goes, wrapping the show up with a bit of sensible talk uh, in the face of... uh, What a break. The uh, rainforest burning deliberately. So, fair play. A bit of Ban Ki-moon to balance it up. Not the only rainforest that's burning. There's, There's about three or four on fire at the moment in Bolivia as well. So um, the world is uh, is in a mess at the moment, people. Uh, and I just quickly want to say, G7, you give 20 million for the Amazon, which has been thrown back in your face, yet you managed to raise a billion, just like that, for Notre Dame. Have a word with yourselves. I, I saw a thing this week where, where someone said that of all the billionaires who said they were going to put money into Notre Dame, not one of them paid up. That can't oh, well, be right, can it? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> I reckon that's absolutely. No, they all made a big public thing, and no one actually gave them any money. Have you seen the Twitter account called uh, called Has Jeff Bezos Ended World Debt Yet or World Poverty Yet? <laughs> really? It's fucking well, fantastic. Well, he lost half his money, didn't he? Yeah, and he still has uh, thirty-three more, billion more than fucking oh, sixty-six billion. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, boys, yeah. You, and yet Jim White still earns a career. And Jim Way is still talking um, in front of clocks. Uh, we should finish this uh, episode of the Anfield Index podcast before we uh, go down several more rabbit holes. Uh, before we go, um, I want to thank you for your continued listenership. And we do appreciate it immensely. You know, I'm going to ask you to tell someone about it, so please do. And what we'll do is we'll sign off and hopefully when we come back to you next, uh, ahead of the international break, post Burnley we'll be chatting about the Reds still being top of the table because I'm getting kind of used to that I've been Trev Downey until we speak to you again be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there Podcast Network.